In the shadow of the most powerful city in the world, the Capital Golf Gang is on the air with instructor John Ronis from the Ronis Academy at River Creek, executive director of the Middle Atlantic PGA, John Gould, and former University of Maryland golfer, Ron Thomas. And now your host from Afternoon Drive on the Team 980 Radio in Washington, D.C., Steve Zabin. A limited crew this week, but we're going to have a great show. A lot to talk about, including Patrick Cantlay winning the Tour Championship, Solheim Cup, React and Breakdown, plus the rules controversy that erupted there. The Ryder Cup, Ryder Cup captain's picks have been announced for Team USA and some controversy there as well. And we have a special guest today on the program scheduled to appear, and I'll just leave it at that. Mr. Ronis is with me in the Mobile Strike Studio right outside the elegant main entrance to the River Creek Club here in Leesburg, Virginia, home of the Ronis Academy, where you can book yourself a lesson at any time, even if you're not a member. Yeah. Of this fine club, how are we doing here today? We got a member member going on. We got on. the member member going on. So it's it's they have like three major events of the MGA, the the Men's Golf Association, and this is one of them. So the MGA mm-hmm. of River Creek, correct? Okay, member member. Is this like the most prestigious, or is it member guest is probably the most blown out of proportion? <laughs> of course, and then member member is probably the one that I think people want the trophy the most. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's member and member. You're picking your own guys. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's kind of a little bit of pride because both of you are walking around. So, yeah. Fun but fact, I've never once played in a member guest, in a three-day member guest. I've played in a couple of one days. Never been in a full <clears throat> member guest. Either I don't project well as an invitee or I've just been too busy. But it's an outrage. It's a disgrace. I should be playing in lots of member guests. All the time. I should be America's guest. You should be. That's that's an <laughs> understatement. And it is your work schedule. It's hard because it's yeah. two days, it's three days, so it's it's difficult. And people are very intimidated by you, Zay. No, they're not. Yes, they are. Find me to be just a lovable <laughs> knucklehead when they get to know me. All right. That's right. Uh, let's get cracking here. Patrick Cantlay wins the Tour Championship. Pretty profitable two-week stretch for him. Winning the BMW, then winning the Tour Championship and the FedEx Cup, mm-hmm. $15 million in a single stroke, in a single weekend. Pretty amazing. And deservedly so for a guy who is growing on me the more I dig into his backstory. Well, the backstory is unbelievable, right? You know, we, we're going to hear gonna from talk it. about that. We're going to talk about yeah. that. But $15 million for a 10-day period, isn't it lovely when people say that? Because it is a lifetime. They got to that point. That obviously. is true. That is true. That but, that's unfair of me to characterize it that way because it's the furthest thing from the truth, and especially for Cantley, yeah. as you're going to hear, it's not the case. Now, I remember when Patrick Cantley was an amateur at UCLA, and he was actually competing in tour events and actually showing up on the leaderboard as an amateur. And I'm like, whoa, this dude is like the truth, right? <laughs> Then he disappeared. Then he disappeared for a while, and I know that he had a uh, tragic accident with his best friend and caddy in a hit and run accident as they were walking down the street one day in California, and boom, just like that, his best friend was taken away from him. Yeah, I knew that. I knew that he had some back problems, but other than that, Mister Ronas, I don't really follow who's injured. What are they doing? Are they close to coming back? Are they hitting golf balls? We don't get these updates anyways as the public, right? I just knew that, okay, Patrick Cantley's hurt and, you know, he's not playing. Well, and and, and he wasn't a superstar yet, so we wouldn't wouldn't be following him anyways. No. But here the story he told at the Tour Championship about how long it took to come back from his back injury. I just want to go ahead and play this, and then we'll react. Tell a funny story and maybe throw him under the bus in the process, but... Um, Dr. Greg Rose is a great friend of mine. He's helped me a ton. And when I was dealing with my back injury, um, he definitely helped me find the right people and, and helped analyze my swing to get the right swing changes to put less stress on my back. And he's done so much for me, um, Greg, over at TPI. But there was a funny moment. Uh, I had gone to the spine doctor, and the, the spine doctor, I'd already been out two years. And the spine doctor told me, I think... He, he said, um, what hurts your back? And I said, 
you know, as the fifteenth time I've seen him, I said, you know, you know, Doc, golf hurts my back. What hurts your back? And he goes, what makes it feel better? You know, I'm like, well, if I don't play golf, I'm pretty okay. I could do a desk job. And Doc says, I don't think you should play any golf for a while. I'd already been out eighteen months or two years. I said, how long? And he said, maybe a year. And <laughs> he was dead year. serious. And so that really shocked me, and I was scared. But he said, you know, take a year off from golf. See how you feel after a year. Don't touch a club. Don't putt. Don't do anything if that's what hurts it because I've already done all the things I can do to help you get through this while you're playing golf. It was a tough pill to swallow. I went down to Greg Rose and I said, Greg, what do you think? Um, You know, Doc Watkins is saying you need to take a year off from golf completely. And Greg said, oh, no, I wouldn't do that if I were you. I wouldn't take... I wouldn't take that long off. You're going to lose your proprioception. You won't be able to come back and play golf. And I thought about it a long time with my team. We ultimately came to the conclusion that we had tried everything under the sun, so we might as well listen to old Dr. Watkins and uh, take a year off. And um, I told Greg at the time, I said, uh, you know, Doc, I'm going, to take, I'm going to take a year off from golf. I'm not going to do anything. If I can get my back healthy, I'm not worried about the golf. So don't worry about my proprioception. I'm going to be fine. I just got to get healthy. And, uh, you know, uh, it worked out okay. It worked out okay. Wow. 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 That's right. That's amazing. That's amazing. I didn't realize he took a year and a half, two years and two and a half years off. Basically three, yeah. Yeah. Imagine being 18 months deep into how many doctor's visits, trying to figure out your back, and then the doctor says, well... I've done all I can. I'd suggest if golf hurts your back, don't do golf. Really, Doc? For how long? <clears throat> about a year. Well, yeah, that's the amazing about thing. A about a year. Oh and what do we do in the meantime? Do we do nothing? Do we walk around the neighborhood like an 80-year-old? I know, because I went through this. I, now, and I know, and I'm glad that you're here today, because I know you've dealt with the devil that is back injuries. Yeah, I have. And... And I, I just say this person, Patrick Cantlay, is a extremely special person in a couple different ways. The first is that he was able at a young age to take this news and fight through, boy, if it's three years of doubt, will I ever do? This kid was great. He had won every single award you could ever win. We could list it for about a Here. minute and a half. Here, I'll give it to you. Number one, r- number one ranked amateur in the world for 54 consecutive weeks. A record that still stands. Amateur career included low-am finishes at the U.S. Open, ding, Masters, ding, winner of the Fred Haskins Award, the Mickelson Award, the Ben Hogan Award, the Mark McCormick Medal, and the Jack Nicholas Award. In other words, all the awards. And by the end of his sophomore year at UCLA, Cantlay turned pro. Mm-hmm. He then won the Columbia Championship in 2013, second tournament on the Web.com Tour, and then lightning struck. Yeah, Warming up on the range, he said it happened in an instant. I made a swing and it felt like a knife had been stuck in my back. And that's how fast it happens. Completely out of nowhere. Yeah. And and that's how fast it happens and the the doubt and the depression. The depression you know that I had as a 30 I think I was 30 Eight. 29 or 30 years old or whatever I was or maybe I was 38 or 39. Yeah, I was 39 years old was one thing. But to have your whole life ahead of you in that career and being that great and knowing if you would never, ever play professionally again. I can't imagine what the depression was. So let's just say that is unbelievable for his fortitude. Not to mention that then as he's fighting back and getting back, his best friend and his caddy we'll is get to that. struck and killed. I mean, We'll get to that. We'll stay on the back for a second. He said, the problem was my back hurt, and other than knowing it hurt, I didn't know anything. Nothing was certain. Every doctor said something different. I've been down that road with Lyme and rheumatoid arthritis. Boy, oh boy, is that frustrating and and bewildering to go, well, wait, you said this and that other person said that. And the other person said, by the way, that that other person's wrong. 
They're wrong. They're crazy. Yeah. They're they're going to hurt you. Oh, they you. blame everything on that. Oh yeah, <laughs> they're, they're, they're talking to each other. Yeah, you have to sort it out. You have to really try to weigh the you know the the, the advice you're getting. He says so to hear the doctor after a couple months off that summer that I might need to skip the rest of the year. I was in shock. I did play a few events to finish high enough in the web.com playoffs to get my tour card, but I knew I wasn't healthy, and it wasn't at all clear how I was going to get healthy. I'd wake up every day, do a couple hours of physical therapy, then rest. That's it. Mm. Every day you want to be doing something active to make yourself feel better, but accepting that doing nothing was mandatory is the hardest and when it was all said and done, what the injury actually was, which he was, he fractured his L5 vertebrae. Just swinging. That year off actually was the best advice because like a broken bone, it took that long a period to heal. Right. And he would have been wrecking it every single swing that he took. He said, it was tough because what am I going to do? But he said what he did was that he would play cards with some old timers. 70-year-olds, wow, 80-year-olds, and he said, I got to learn from them and hear their perspective on the long view mm. of life. And he said it was truly enlightening and very much part of his journey. So he ends up taking another year off from tour, doesn't pick up a club. No guarantee that the first time he does pick up a club after another year off that the back doesn't just go, yeah all over again. And he takes it with the kind of peace and acceptance that, frankly, is sublime to think about. And he says in that interview, he goes, you know what I said to the doc? I go, don't worry about me knowing how to play golf. If I can get healthy, I can figure out how to play golf. And boy, is he showing that right now. As if that wasn't enough, there's this layer to the Patrick Cantlay story. When he was in the lowest point of his life, in which he couldn't play golf, his best friend and caddy from high school who, who was with him on a night out in Newport Beach, they were having a great night. His friend Chris said, you know, his Chris, he said his friend Chris would get him up off the couch and get him feeling good when he was at his lowest point, right? And he said that was happening that Friday night of the accident. He said we were walking down the street in Newport Beach, and then in an instant, it wasn't a great night. It was a nightmare. A car came out of nowhere and hit Chris so hard it threw his body all the way across the intersection. He couldn't have been walking more than 10 feet in front of me. I knew it was awful immediately, even as I was dialing 911, and I knew Chris wasn't really there anymore by the time I got to him. It was that quick. Mm. (laughs) How do you handle all this? This cat is so made from a different cloth it's amazing you know it's it's just like a lot of the things that we that affect our lives and you look at certain people and you say how are they that strong how are they speaking at this funeral or this event or whatever and i guess we're just put on this earth to uh do the best we can and some people are able to handle those things at a a level that we can't imagine Cantley said, what did the last five years teach me when something really bad or life-altering happens? You want to acknowledge that it affected you. You don't want to stay away from it or pretend it didn't happen. You want it to realize, you do want to realize the great impact it has had on you, but at the same time, even if it's massive, you don't want to have it consume you. So you become jaded or apathetic or negative. And you don't, and you don't like the person you become at that point. Walking that fine line of having something bad happen to you, taking your time to mourn and letting it affect you without letting it beat you down so hard that it takes you away from what you want to accomplish is very difficult. Accepting it and realizing it happened and dealing with it as best you can, that's kind of the art of life. This kid's highly intelligent. I mean, let's get that straight. Is He's, there any wonder that he is so cool under pressure, yeah. Patty Ice? Is there any wonder mm-hmm. that he that he gets the essence of golf so perfectly? I always say that the great one of the many great things about golf is that it helps teach you lessons about life, larger things. Yeah. It's a microcosm. He's applying it in reverse. He's had, in essence, the book of Job in real life thrown at him 
with a back injury out of nowhere as this unbelievable amateur about to start a blistering career. His best friend taken from him senselessly, inexplicably in an instant. And three years away from the game, just wondering, will I ever get healthy? Awesome stuff, man. It's amazing. Awesome it's amazing. Stuff. And it's, uh, it's, it's inspirational. Hard not to root for the guy, for sure. Yeah. Now, he yeah. is a little bit dull. He's a bit boring. He's, he wears, he's incredibly dull. <laughs> he wears, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's incredibly dull. I, I was uh, goofing around with my buddies on a text thread on, on Sunday of last week. I said, oh, great, a, a, a navy blue shirt and a uh, plain white hat for old Patrick yeah. Cantlay. It's like, come on, man. Can't we get him some flashier clothes? But it's almost like this is his personality. This he is almost, how he is. almost looks like him. He's so Pete Sampras-like to me. I suppose, yeah. He almost yeah. looks like him a little bit. Anyway, uh, the story I'm referencing is from Golf Digest titled The Comeback from Nowhere. Um, and it's basically Cantlay in his own words and as written by, uh, to a, I think, Mike Statura in uh, uh, Golf World or Golf Digest. You should check it out. But, uh, man, what a journey and what a story and what a weekend in which Patrick Cantlay held off John Rahm, the charging Spanish bull. Awesome to win the Tour Championship. Coming up, a quick nine with a special guest right here on the Capital Golf Gang presented by Golfdom. You are listening to the Capital Golf Gang. Four guys who have to come up with creative excuses to their wives for those grass stains on their pants. You are listening to the Capital Golf Gang. Four guys who all carry a perfect club, an alien wedge, a double-sided chipper, and a 20-foot ball retriever. Well, at least some of those clubs. Abe here with John Ronas inside the Mobile Strike Studio. My voice is cracking a bit today. Maybe it's the fall allergies or just not <laughs> enough water. Uh, Ron Thomas and John Gould are off this week. Uh, they were where were they? What of uh, Washington at? Metropolitan Golf Association Senior Amateur is what Ronnie was playing in. I think Johnny was uh, officiating that. And I think uh, Ronnie finished T twenty seven. T twenty three, I think, is what he told us. Okay, very. If good. he was on here, we'd have a whole segment dedicated to it. Well, but, I know. Next you know. week we'll have him on. And yeah. I told Gould, I said, penalize him. For something. Yeah, just Next for anything. Time. Anything, right. Just just hit him up. Okay, our pleasure now to welcome on special guest, the other Gary Williams, not the head coach of Maryland fame, but formerly of Morning Drive, still with Sirius PGA Tour XM Radio, and soon to be launching a new golf platform called Five Clubs. G-Dubs, how are you doing today, my friend? Zabe, my boy, I'm doing great. <laughs> um, I'm glad to hear that Ronnie got a top 25, uh, put that on his stat sheet. Uh, that's very good. You guys are about the same age. Uh, Gary played at Vanderbilt. I don't think you ever tangled with Maryland back in the day, did you? No, we did not. Okay. Did not. A little bit out of conference there. So anyway. <laughs> Didn't play us at University of Connecticut either. That's right. Yeah. Aronis is a yeah. UConn guy. Yeah. Yeah, so. we, didn't, oh, we, nice. didn't, we didn't tangle too much with the Vanderbilt. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, we play a segment here, Gary, called A Quick Nine. It's nine yep. hypotheticals. It's nine argument starters. And uh, I've sent you the 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 yardage book, so to speak, for the quick nine. Or no, I don't think I did. Did I send it to you? No, I didn't get it. Well, good. It's you're going okay. uh, to play the course blind then. <laughs> All right, here we go. Quick Nine with Gary Williams of Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio, as well as the upcoming Five Clubs platform, which you're going to tell us about in a second. Hole number one. We'll start with you, Ronis. If you were to start a new golf channel, a new golf channel with a billion dollars behind it, what would you do? Well, of course I would bring first back Gary Williams. all the old talent <laughs> that I loved watching in the morning and morning drive. I mean, I will say, Gary, it was, it was almost the only thing I watched, actually, on that channel. But if I had that billion dollars, I, I love the 30 for 30s and those kind of things. So I would like to see more of that kind of production. All right. um, I'm not a, I don't think you need to go out there and, and, and deal with a member guest out here at River Creek or something like that to get that crowd in watching. But I'd love to see just more more of those kind of stories. Gary, what would you do? I know that uh, the, the, the cutbacks were brutal. as so many talent, including brutal. yourself, uh, that we miss dearly, us as golfers. I know that the, the ones who are still there are doing their best, and, and I think a lot of people like them. But what would you do if I gave you a billion dollars and said, 
build another golf channel? You know, in addition, obviously, to needing rights, you, you need to put live golf on TV. It's an innings eater. You need that. But it goes without saying, Steve, I, I think that, that – and Netflix is going to do a, a, a docu-series yes. on the PGA Tour, which I hope mm. the tour will just just relax, guys. They're human beings. They play an imperfect sport, and it and it's and it's difficult. Let them be human. I would do a, a docu-series called Broken. Because I know a lot of guys who've had borderline Hall of Fame careers that the sport has broken. And, and people don't wow. realize how excruciatingly hard uh, this sport can be on the psyche of somebody. Whether it be uh, a swing instructor who, is, who has wrecked you, an injury, a missed five-footer to, to keep you from keeping your card. I, I, I'm telling you, Steve, those stories are countless I would do a docu-series that it would be an endless stream of men and women who played the game at the highest level. The game has shattered. Mm-hmm. And I've, I, I asked Billy Kratzer this question. I said, just off the top of your head, people you know fairly well, how many have the, has the game broken? He said at least three dozen. That's wow. one guy. Wow. That's one guy telling me three dozen people he knows fairly well that the game has broken. Yeah. Len Matisse, Ian Baker Finch, Scott Hoke, Bobby Clampett, my Mike you. Donald. Mike. I mean, these are these are the ones that we know off the top of our heads. But would, you know what? Would Those they are talk- guys who have kind of come back, like the David Duvalls and well, the Ian Baker Finch. They have come back and and they have a different career. There's so many people who are who have nothing that we watch on TV that are like, and all of a sudden they have nothing. They're like Sid Finch, more ghosts Whatever. than real, right? <laughs> <laughs> but they're just—they might be put, would putting they, clubs together in a back room somewhere. They're, would they? Would they talk to you, Gary? You know what? I think that they would. I mean, I, whether it be me or, or somebody else, I, I think that you know a lot of these people have have a lot of things that they'd love to shed, and the, you know, with the right outlet, uh, I think that they would. I, yeah. I really do, Steve. And okay. I, you know, again, walking the halls of Golf Channel, every analyst who's who's calling golf. To some degree, the game has fractured because they're not still doing it for one reason or another. Frank Nablu, Frank was a fabulous player, and arthritis rode him right out of the game. I mean, I'd love to hear his story. Yeah, that's good. If you find Anthony Kim and get him for a sit-down, now that yeah. would put your new channel on the map. The he search is, for he, Anthony he, Kim. Truly, truly. <laughs> you know what, John, I'll tell you. Steve was the first one on AK – when he kind of popped early on, I remember, Steve, you texted me, and you're like, I, I like this guy. I really like this guy. And he was a star, and he was a bona fide star, and now he's he's a unicorn. He can't be found. That's, that's the amazing thing about it. I don't think I was early to AK, uh, Gary. I no, think I, I, think I hustled to the – No, no, I'm, I'm never – No, I hustle to the front of parades is what I do. No. It looks like <laughs> I found guys. I just cut to the very front. <laughs> All right, hole number two. By the way, what I would do if I if I started a new golf channel, I know you need the innings eating actual play-by-play. Right. But I still like the goofy shows. I like, you know, Big Break. I like stuff like that. I've got other ideas. I've got a show called Dog Track. It's a show about just the mangiest <laughs> courses in America and the guys who play there. I would call Club Pro Guy and I'd say, here, you got a half-hour show a week. Yeah. Don't tell me no. Don't tell me you can't do it. And make it hurt if you want so much money. I would do it. Right. Yeah, I like Dog Track. <laughs> okay. the and personalities the that would at be Dog it. Track would yeah. be fantastic. Yeah. It would be amazing. All right, hole number two. How long does an average new putting gimmick work? Well, I give my people that I teach, it's two holes or 24 hours. That's the warranty on the lesson that I give. So I'm going to just go with the same thing on the putting gimmick. But sometimes they last beyond the warranty. Sometimes they do. Okay. Uh, Gary, how long does a new putting gimmick work? Three and a half seconds. (laughs) Um, One stroke. Uh, Honestly, if, if that is where you are, there is no solution for the yippish just shaking it <laughs> yeah. off the blade kind of stroke that you have 
They're heading right to your show, Gary. They're going to your new show, Broken. Broken. It starts with the putter. Right. I think think a a round and a half is generally speaking. What will happen is you'll be rolling with this new stroke, new gimmick, whatever, left eye closed, you know, uh, weight shifted to your inner quads kind of thing at impact. And then you'll have one bad three putt, and it'll shake your confidence. You'll think... (laughs) Maybe this new thing is not the truth. It's just yeah. a gimmick, and then it starts to unravel. Hole number three, do you ever feel guilty about how much money, how much time, how much manpower it takes to just maintain a golf course? Every day. <laughs> every, every day. day. I was As out there the this new morning. director of golf here yeah. at River Creek, uh, every day. We had some damage out on the golf course, and uh, I was just out there with our one of our chief agronomists, and... It's a hundred and fifty something thousand dollars just in the past week to I repair damage. some of this stuff. What happened? It's you know it's rain and then it settles. Trees? And, no, it's just drainage oh. and the grass dies. Oof! It's bad. So yes, Gary, do you ever feel guilty walking around a course going, man? It costs a lot of money. No, to I don't. This place. I, I I don't. I understand. Listen, I've I've become. I think more aware and, and more responsible in, in terms of being being cognizant of the fact that this is real money that is required. But you know the value of, of playing golf, and I you know it's hard to sell it to people who are non-believers. Um, there's real value in the game, and I, I don't feel guilty about clubs and their ability or their challenge in trying to maintain golf courses. It's it's very valuable green space, and I love it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's also money that is voluntarily put forward by those who love the game and those who have the money. That is correct. Uh, guys at clubs, and it employs people. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. When I walk around there, I want that money spent. <laughs> I do. I yeah, want as, perfect conditions. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Yeah. Sometimes I walk around going, man. This is this took a lot of work. As a guy who tries to keep his yard in shape, I look around going, it's a lot of man hours right there. Hole number four, what common golf course food will you refuse to eat during a round? Well, I don't eat potato chips when I used to play, when I used to actually compete. I will not eat potato chips because I was told. The grip killer. Yeah. Oh, no, you put them on your bare fingers on the right hand. Good night now. Yeah, well, I was told not to eat potato chips because you'll get grease on your hands and boom. So that's- See, I'm a, a left hand chip eater. Because okay. I'll eat with the left, and then I put the glove on, and then so the grease I'm like, is safe. I'm, we called it in our, in our house and, and when we were growing up, is it's a Roger Clemens. So the bag gets held right in front of you. <laughs> then you have your other hand up near your mouth, and you pick the chips out, and they go in your mouth. That's how Clemens used to hold the glove and pick the ball. Okay. So that's what we do. So Gary, no potato chips. Gary, anything you don't eat I, on I'm the golf course. I'm a salty snack guy. I, I love salty snacks. A gristle missile. Everybody's got to try the local hot dog. I don't understand candy on a golf course. I think I think chocolate and candy <laughs> is a non-starter. <laughs> so gu- so gummy bears would be out then. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Hole number five. Should the Ryder Cup and Presidents Cup merge to form a winner stays format? In other words, this session we got USA versus Europe. Winner plays the internationals in the President's Cup. The winner of the President's Cup then plays the USA or whoever lost this Ryder Cup, so it just circulates. The longest you'd ever be out as a side in this three-way thing is four years. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a winner stays on a basketball court kind of a thing. It's a very good thought, Zay, but the answer is no. Because? It's tradition? Just, it's just no. You'd still have both... With their own names, with their own revenue streams, with their own logos, their own locations, the only difference is you would have different teams sometimes. I think we need it, and since we're starting a new channel, we need content, so yes. Okay. Uh, Gary, stupid idea? No, no, I don't want any side to have to sit out potentially beyond what, what they already are required to do with, with respect to Europe or the international side. And I honestly think the international side, and I, I realize how one side of the President's Cup has been, it's actually been, if you look at the results, it's been, look at Korea, look at what happened in Australia. I, I think it's been wildly compelling, and I think that Trevor Immelman is going to have a hell of a team uh, in Charlotte a year from now. No, I, I like okay. it the way it is, and I like to see the United States assembled every year. Yeah. All right, hole number six. Would you rather be forced to play a really nice top 100 course for the first time with either A, one of those two-colored orange and red <laughs> Srixon balls, or 
be forced to play it with your buddy's set of golf clubs. So specs that are close to yours, but not quite yours. That's a good question. I'm just going to go with the golf ball. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. But I'm going to go with the golf ball. I need, Gary, the, ball. I need my tool. It's Gary, you'd go with the ball. the ball. I can, I can live with, with pseudo specs that are, that are mildly close. The golf ball is, is it's, it's the difference maker. I, if I had to play with, if I had to play at a top 100 golf course with a, with a pinnacle, I would be utterly miserable. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think these I think these goofy uh, half and half balls that look like putt putt balls. I think they're decent performance. They're not pinnacles, but they look so stupid. And I can only imagine going up to the green at like you know Shinnecock after stiffing it to five feet and then marking a ball like that. I'd feel so stupid. Yeah, yeah. I would go with the uh, ball. All right, hole number uh, seven. The one experience in golf that you still think about and pinch yourself knowing it happened what is the one thing you go man do we have to be playing golf or is it no. just a golf related you know, experience i on it the first time i walked through the gates going to the masters was something that i i, I can never forget I that's really, a good one right i really can't yeah. it's like it was like dorothy opening the doors to oz everything was brighter everything was more colorful to me, it was it was very magical. Okay, Gary, you've had many great experiences. I've, I've been very fortunate. Uh, you know what? I got invited and played in the Dunhill Links Championship one year, which is the fall event, which is the rota of Kings Barnes, the old course at St Andrews, and Carnoustie. And it is it is the most decadent party. Every time I walked into my room at the old course hotel, there were at least four gifts on my bed. I took a helicopter from the, the old course front lawn up the Scottish coastline to Carnoustie in 12 minutes. I, I, it was a one-off. I've never been invited back. I had to play as a scratch, uh, but I did not care. It was the most preposterous display of obscene wealth that I've ever seen. Oh my God, that's Great. incredible. So that's a paired event, Gary, in which an amateur plays with yes, a pro? Yes, it's, it's, it's exactly right. I played with a 19-year-old from South Africa who's on the European tour. His name is Hayden Porteous. Uh, I, I was, it was Shangri-La. It was, inca- it was remarkable. That is amazing. I got to play 18 holes with Jim Furyk, just the two of us, for a Johnny Walker promotion at Avenel, a tour course. And I was on my game that day, and I beat him 7-6 and six as a 10 handicap playing from about 80 yards ahead of him <laughs> on every hole. But after the round, he had the full scorecard filled out in perfectly neat handwriting, signed it, signed a golf ball, shook my head, and said, good playing. Greatest dude That's ever. Fabulous. That's great. Yeah. All right, hole number eight. Name the most underrated state in the U.S. to play golf. Most underrated state to wow. play. You know, I haven't played in, in a ton of states, but I think the most underrated that I've heard of is Michigan. Michigan. Lots of courses. Yeah. yeah. And lots of rabid golfers. Short season. Yeah. 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 Gary. Ohio. Uh, if you look at Ohio, just Columbus proper, if you consider Muirfield Village, Double Eagle, the golf club, which is in New Albany, uh, you got the Scarlet Course at the University at, at Ohio State. And not to mention Toledo, um, all these greater uh, Cleveland with Canterbury. There are there are probably more great golf courses that are borderline top 100 in that state than maybe any other. And Columbus, you can go to Columbus and I've done this and, and play just their rota. It's fantastic. I would say Wisconsin, but I don't think it's underrated anymore, and especially with the Ryder Cup, yeah. the U.S. Opens, and everything else like that. But I would throw a nod in there to Utah hmm. because in season, before it gets to be winter, there are some amazing courses in southern Utah, kind of across the border from Nevada. Not a lot, but there is some. Finally, hole number nine. The Ryder Cup should have one crazy shirt day every Sesh every time they play it. In other words, the Sunday shirts in '99 that were ridiculed at the time, but now they're iconic. How about one day of the three days, or just one of the five sessions? It's the crazy shirt session. That's fine, but like '99 didn't even have 
colors that were remotely United States. It didn't matter. It was matter. like a brown with those pictures on it. Was on it was a dark burgundy, That's yeah. That's fine. That's fine with me. Or pants or something. Go ahead. One of the five sessions, crazy shirts. All right, go ahead. You I'm like it, Gary? I'm totally fine with that. And, you know, the, the genesis of the 99 single shirt was actually the Sunday shirt that Crenshaw wore in the 95 Masters. It was a Jeff Rose design. And it was, it, you know, they that that was an Who's homage. Jeff Rose? Jeff Rose was the designer. Okay. And that, his name is on the label uh, of that shirt. And th- and you know, those were all Ryder Cup United States Ryder Cup teams that were that were on that shirt. And the '95 shirt that Crenshaw wore uh, was a montage to Bobby Jones. So oh, we had seen yeah, that right. shirt now I'm seeing in '95, wow. that final round that he won the Masters. I didn't know wow. it. You know, there's such oh, a there limited, such a limited number of those Ryder Cup shirts oh, wow. in existence. Scary yes. to see. Now, this on our new golf channel. If someone gives us a billion dollars, we could actually <laughs> do a documentary on. You know, where are the existing '99 Ryder Cup Sunday shirts? Yeah, or we're going to do it on a uh, new entertainment platform called Five Clubs. Yeah, talk to us yes. about this, Gary. You're about to launch a new golf media platform called Five Clubs. Before I get yep. to the how and the where and the what of it, I want to know why Five Clubs. What does that signify? Five Clubs, it is an homage to the original Five Clubs that made up uh, the United States Golf Association. So Newport Country Club, Shinnecock, Chicago Golf, um, the St. Andrews, and which is the one that I'm uh, – oh, the Country Club at Brookline. Yeah. Yeah. So those five clubs – were were the foundation of the USGA, so that that is the homage, and and we want to we want to look at five club as is being foundational, but but obviously uh, with a chance to grow. So that is, that and the logo we just unveiled that, so uh, we launch next week, and it's going to be available where it's going to be. I'm sure on all the digital platforms, okay. Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Art nineteen. We'll have a YouTube channel, and I, I'm I'm excited because first guest. Uh, is a guy who has an opinion or a thousand Phil Mickelson. So that oh, will yeah. drop next Wednesday. That's nice. a great first guest too. He's yeah. he's he's heading into being the ambassador of the game who actually expresses his opinion. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, he went off on the USGA about the uh, driver yes, he length, did. and he should have. We will we will talk about that. Good. Okay. Hey, uh, real quick, your thoughts yep. on the Ryder Cup, Gary, and the captain's picks by Stricker. We're awaiting. Of course, Europe to pick theirs after the BMW is over. What do you think? I, I, I'm fine with the picks. I think three, you guys would probably agree, were, were mortal locks. I, I think the other three, I can totally see if, if people wanted, whether it be Sam Burns, Jason Kokrak, Kevin Na. Uh, I think Steve Stricker has played his hand, and his hand is he's going style. He's going style and to some degree form. But that golf course is going to have very little rough on it. It's going to be hit it as far as you can and go find it and be able to advance it to the green. And, and that's that's the card that they're going to play. Uh, but they're going to deal with it, a European team that's going to be underestimated again. And we're going to find ourselves in an absolute nail-biter come late Sunday. It's, it's bound to happen. Yeah, yeah it's going to be good. Uh, I forgot one thing. I mentioned that yes. you know, Furyk thing, memorable moments. I once beat Paul Pascalides in the Blue Cup at the Governor's Club in North Carolina when I first met Gary in his Ryder Cup competition. I'll never forget that because beating that little pipsqueak was really, really satisfying. Nice he guy, is though. The, he's the Danny DeVito of, of the Blue Cup. <laughs> All right, Gary, great to connect with you. We'll look for five too, clubs buddy. online and uh, keep on doing what you do. Gary, Thank pleasure you, meeting friend. you. Thank you. There you, you go. You bet, John. All Take right. care. We'll see you. All right, coming up. Final thoughts here on this special edition of the Capital Golf Gang, brought to you by Golfdom. You are listening to the Capital Golf Gang. Four guys who once dreamed of becoming caddies on the PGA Tour until they found out you have to take the blame for everything. You are listening to the Capital Golf Gang. Four guys who only care about one trajectory on their irons, airborne. Indeed. Myself, John Ronas, back here in the Mobile Strike Studio. Final segment of today's special edition of the Capital Golf Gang. Ronnie and John will hopefully be back next week. Maybe we'll be back at golf. I got to uh, play a great round of golf at Buddy's Club, Westwood Country Club, 
in the heart of uh, Tyson's Corner, right off of 123. And thank you, buddy, for that. And uh, it was an enjoyable day. It always is. Such a nice Especially, course. it's a beautiful spot, and Buddy's just such a nice dude. I know. He's just such a good guy. And he's got, they now have at Westwood a pizza oven outside. Oh. <laughs> How good is that, Located man? where? Is it right like at, associated with the clubhouse? It's on, or it's on it? a trailer. They they, they just God. they move a big old industrial pizza oven. <laughs> That's so good. It's great. Anyways, thank you to Buddy for having us out there. All right, we've got a couple minutes here. Solheim Cup goes to Europe 15-13. to 13. The U.S. was favored sort of heavily, but I think everyone that knows golf knows that that thing was going to be close. Most of these team competitions are always very close. And the Europeans were just a bit more clutch down the stretch. Now, the big headline story out of the competition was this rules kerfuffle with Nelly Korda and the ball that overhang, overhung the lip on one of her putts. I didn't hear about it. You didn't hear about it. Now, not big Solheim Cup mark. Okay. Well, I am. I like yeah. all these team competitions. Yeah. Solheim Cup, Walker Cup, Curtis Cup, Blue Cup, Green yeah. Cup, <laughs> Dixie Cup, Red Solo Cup. You, you if, it's a, if it's a cup competition, if, 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 if there's uniforms cup, and teams, I'm like it. Right. I'm a total right. mark for it. Good. So anyway, Corda puts it up, 20-footer. Ball is on the edge of the hole. Might have been hanging over a little bit. That's the key point of contention. Stops. Doesn't fall. Their opponents, uh, I believe it was Magdalene Sagstrom for uh, Europe, walks up, plucks the ball up, tosses it back to her to concede the one-incher. Now, I see your face going, ooh. Yeah. Why are you saying ooh? Well, what time frame was this? It was within seconds after the ball stopped. You can't do that because you don't know if the ball stopped. Ah. Can't do that. So, honestly, I believe that could have been ruled that it was deflecting a moving ball. Well, what happened was the two sides didn't argue. It's not like the Americans said, hey, wait a minute, you know, you shouldn't have done that. It was a rules official who stepped in unsolicited and said, sorry, but that's a penalty. You lose the hole. Or it's not you lose the hole. It's that putt is considered to have been hold. Hold. And it was quite upsetting to the Europeans. They lost the match, one down, which, of course, it always happens, right? right? of course. And it was upsetting to the Americans because they felt like they were being, you know, cast again. They felt that they were being sort of cast as cheaters in a way. Not cheaters, but that they were were taking advantage of something that shouldn't have been. I'm going to show it to you here. I know this is radio if you're listening, but uh, here's the actual. Still in question. Nelly for Eagle on 13. Uh, the match at this point is tied and right, creeps so closer One, on the edge. Two, three, four. You're going five, to see Sagstrom comes six. in, picks right. up the ball. Penalty. Wow. Did- so you're pretty adamant that it was and should have been a penalty. Six, six seconds. I counted them right there when that ball hit and it's hanging over the edge enough where it could be considered, and therefore, that's a penalty. Here's the rules of it. Yeah, no, 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 if it was not going in. You have a reasonable time to get there, and then it could sit for 10 seconds. But it was never going to go in. It was past the hole. But you could technically do that by every hole. No, was it past the hole. Was it overhanging the hole? No. No, it wasn't. Can we look at TV there? Was it? Yeah. It wasn't past the hole. Here you go. Okay. Look, it's debatable. We saw it. See, I think. it's coming in from a breaking point. Where that is not past the hole according to the line that it was taken. Look, I, I think I think it was one tenth overhanging. Yeah, the most narrow okay, slivers. That ball's not going in the hole. I'll give you that. But you can't you can't just roll in when it's that close and and pick it up. I, I, I look. There's certain don't things. You think, I'm don't not you a think, rules guy. Like I can care I less. <laughs> don't you think uh, normal etiquette? And I'm not trying to say the Europeans were bad or anything. I'm just saying typical etiquette. Like, I'm just thinking, if, if I'm in the match, I would walk up to it as the opponent, and I'd bend down to take a good look first. And I'd go, hmm. And then I might look at my opponent and say, do you want this back, or are you going to come get it? I don't you think know, I would touch it. I don't think I would touch it. I will say this. In match play, 
when I and it's not it's pretty rare that you play match play. I never touch my opponent's golf ball. That is true. It's their equipment, and I'm not touching it. What? You don't scrape other guys? No. In match play, I do not. How about a friendly match? Not match play, but a friendly match at the club. You're good, and you, uh, you scoop it up for them in, would, a, in a friendly match. That happens all the time. And honestly, most of the time, I just walk away. <clears throat> I just walk away. I don't know when someone wants to putt their own putt when we're just playing a casual round of golf, and they say, I want to putt everything out. And I don't know when, um, you know, I'll start banging putts back if the person's making eight, and I want to finish the round in less than seven hours. <laughs> but in a match, that's okay. their equipment. I don't touch their stuff. Even a $2 Nassau. I don't touch your stuff. Okay. Well, fair enough. Yeah. All right. Your thoughts on the USA team. I, 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 am, I have a much more <clears throat> grim outlook Jeez. on the prospects for Team USA for a variety of reasons. And I am a Kevin Na fan. Yeah. I'm a Kevin Kisner stan. And I'm even a Billy Horschel fan. And those guys, I guess, did not do anything for Captain Stricker because he took Scotty Scheffler, a rookie, who's talented but hadn't won yet on tour. Mm-hmm. And he took Daniel Berger, who's a great grinder and an overachiever with a really weird-looking swing. Yeah. But he's more suited to the Memphises and the Hartfords. Is he a big-game player? Do you ever recall seeing Daniel Berger on the front page of the leaderboard at a major? Because I don't. No. I, you know, I, I'm with you, Zabe. I hate to say I'm with those, you. And I those love are, so those are the last two picks. Now, you yeah. can hide those guys. There's other problems in on the team in that – I still think Kepka may back out Oof. with this injury. Now, the injury may be legit. Haven't heard anything of, as of this taping on a Friday, uh, September 10th. Uh, so it's only been less than, been over a week since he hurt his and wrist then, at the know, Tour you... Championship. I believe that Kepka wants no part of this DeChambeau fake love fest mm-hmm. and would love to be able to go, huh, oh, my hand, I'm sorry. Yeah. That sounds crazy. You're like, you're saying that a competitor like Brooks Kepka, three majors, would not want to be on the biggest stage in the game of golf at the Ryder Cup. I would say to you, yeah, I think this dude's a little different. He's a little too cool for the room sometimes. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, maybe he's not a team guy, so it means nothing to him. You know, maybe he's not. It, maybe it's just all about Brooks. I think it kind of is. Right. So the team Who are thing, his friends on tour? I don't think he has. Maybe. He had one friend. It was DJ. Not anymore. Not anymore. So, you know, then you bring in someone. you got to bring in one of those. you got to bring in a Kevin Na or I bring in Kisner because you got to bring in someone now with a chip on their shoulder. Oh, you didn't pick me the first time? Well, let me prove you wrong. Not a guy who's going to tiptoe into the room. Now, the only reason I can see that he didn't pick those guys is because they do have a little bit bigger personality than the Harris Englishes of the world. Right. But I don't know. I, I mean, I would have loved to seen. Kisner and, and and Kevin Na's a good player, man. He's consistent. Yeah, he's good. But I, I don't know. I'm not going to disagree with. They know All so right, much just, more than we just do. Just checking, just checking the headlines here. Golf Digest two days ago. What happens if Brooks Kepka can't play at Whistling Straits? And what does happen? He's got to make a decision at what time. I substitute I, I day don't before. Know. Uh, hopefully they're getting an extra set of shirts and pants for yeah. whoever could fill in for him. Right. Meanwhile, Colin Morikawa, who I love has been very inconsistent. Mm-hmm. There are missed cuts in his uh, tournament logs. In fact, I'm going to look this one up. Colin... And unfortunately, Spieth is not playing well either right now. And now he's expecting a new baby, which is great. But the right. fact is, it's, it is still going to result in taking some of his precious time needed to uh, be the competitor that he is. He's not a guy that's so super talented. He needs to work at it, so... Um, it'll be a little bit more difficult as he goes through this. It'll be the best thing he ever did, but, you know, it's it's hard. All right. Tour Championship, Morikawa, 26th. BMW, 63. Northern Trust, missed cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, FedEx, St. Jude, 26th. Uh, won the Open Championship. Fourth at Torrey Pines, U.S. Open. Second at Memorial. 14th at the Charles Schwab. I mean, a lot of good finishes. That's why he's number one in but points. He, but missed the open at the uh, missed the cut at the at Wingfoot back yeah, in the fall. Yeah. He's not as a number one guy. He ain't Rom. Is Uh-oh. my point. We got eight five twenty six missed cut sixty three twenty six. Those are his last four, I believe. Right. It's not good. Right. 
Now, I like a lot of the guys on the team, and I do wish Daniel Berger and Scotty Scheffler, I want them to have a great Ryder sure. Cup. I'm not rooting against them, but mm-hmm. I just, I wanted more fire. I wanted more personality. I wanted someone like, I thought Kisner was the exact kind of guy that, let's say something starts up, some chirping between Bryson yeah. and Brooks, even though they said they'd play nice, yeah. and it's in the team room. Kisner's the kind of guy who could speak up and just with that Southern cackalacky drawl go, Listen here, ladies, enough of this. We got to go win, and it would diffuse the whole thing because totally he doesn't give a – With a toothpick in his mouth and a dip in his lip. <laughs> right. He would just – and sitting back in a chair, he would say something like that. And those guys would have to think for a second, how stupid are we acting like this? Right. Or do I now need to go fight this little crazy guy from South Carolina? He would just flick him away and say, I don't have any time for fights here. <laughs> a Boys, YOLO I'm guy. win. Yeah, and I think Kevin Na is such a – a funny goofy dude he would have brought a nice upbeat <laughs> attitude to the locker room yeah. but i don't know you know you go to these little you try to dig into the data now who's longer who's got more strokes gained here it's a personality and chemistry event yeah and i would have gone full chemistry on the final two picks but yeah good for stricker he's got his guys and he's going to go to battle in less than two I'm weeks so looking forward to it i love the Ryder cup and i love the president's cup and that's why i didn't want to separate the two because i need it Every two years. Every year. I need one of those competitions. Now, so I'm fun. I'm going to be there. I know, I thanks. I do my show. Thanks. Well, if you want to come, you can. I'm yeah, doing my show, my show for 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee, live on Friday from the Media Center. I could theoretically do this show live on Ooh. Saturday if we can get a board up from WJFK. We'll see what you get. You want see, me to put in a request for yes, that? Yes, I do. Okay. Because I would love to talk about it. I mean, that would be good. It would be awesome. Chris Kennard, if you're listening, I need <laughs> one board up for one day in my life on the Saturday of the Ryder Cup, two weeks from today. We can talk two hours that day. Oh, we could absolutely do that. All right. Johnny Boy, thank you for taking time thank out. Thank you. You now have to go pop out of the van and find out all the disasters that have unfolded in the last yeah. hour at the member member here. At River Here Creek. They are. They're right on your phone, phone right now. One hour, too long. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you guys and your ears. What a great time, great weather to play some golf. Let's finish the year strong, and we will see you next week on the Capital Golf Gang, presented by Golfdom. This has been the Capital Golf Gang on the Team 980. If you'd like the gang to visit your home course, send your inquiries to Zabe at Yahoo.com. That's C-Z-A-B-E at Yahoo.com. Or visit the show page at www.theteam980.com. And for free swag, we're all in extra large. So, yeah, thanks for the shirts.